You know, it's uh, amazing when we begin to trust God to do His work and we get obedient. Sometimes it's surprising on how much He can do. It shouldn't be surprising to us, but all God is asking us to do is be obedient and He will draw people to Himself. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to conclude our super long series of two weeks tonight in sync with God. Uh, I shared with you that uh, as we continue to grow as Christians, there is a need for us to be in sync, in tune, and aligned with God. Last week we looked at uh, how important our vision is, and when we can begin to see the things that God sees, it changes our life. As we look through the eyes of faith, we can begin to see what God sees. It helps us stay in tune with Him. Eyes of fear, we can't see what God is doing. Eyes of faith, we can see clearly what God has for us. Tonight we're going to look at having ears that hear God. It's just as important for us to hear God speak clearly to us. And tonight we're going to look at 1 Samuel and chapter 3 in a moment, talking about how we can hear God clearly. Somebody developed a game called Mad Gab. Anybody heard that game before? You know what I'm talking about? This is a wonderfully terrible game. I I like the idea, but I am horrible at it. And if you've not heard of this game, it's just some simple words that are uh, there on a card. And as you say these words faster and faster, they're supposed to have uh, another meaning, another phrase that you should be able to catch. And so uh, they are in your outline. and They may be up on the screen. But I want you to just say the first one with me, these words, over and over again. The first one is ink, odd, wheat, rust. Ink, odd, wheat, trust. In God we trust. Okay, some of you are getting it already. If you're like me, you're like, I'm totally confused. I have no idea what they're talking about. That's okay. You're in my camp. It's, it's like this other one here. B League Ram. Anybody get what this is supposed to be? Billy Graham. Unbelievable. You're so smart. And we see the next one here. Anybody want to take a guess at what this is? A religious person. Thank you, guys. We have our Mad Gab champions. And this next one, anybody can guess what this is supposed to say? How's the wife and kids? Somebody's been playing Mad Gab. You've got it. One last one right here. Anybody know what this is supposed to say? Exactly. That's how we feel about this game right now. Some of you are saying, Pastor Brady, I'm sick and tired of this. Would you get on with the message? You know, when we think about hearing from God, I think, if we're honest, sometimes when we say, you know what, praying and hearing God speak to me, it's almost like some version of Mad Gab. I know that God may be saying something, but I just don't get it. I don't hear it. Other people can can catch it a little bit faster, but I'm just not hearing what it is that God is saying. What is he talking about? How do I know when God is speaking? And in my prayer tonight is that, God will help us, sense through the Holy Spirit, what it looks like, what it feels like, and what it sounds like to hear God's voice. Just like, excuse me, just last week as we contrasted seeing through eyes of faith, tonight I want us to contrast listening with ears that are either hindered or ears that are ready to hear. Turn in your Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to read about a young man who hears... And then some men whose ears are hindered from hearing from God. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. 
One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lied down again. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls to you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Obviously, uh, Samuel is an example of a, a young person who developed an ear to hear God speak to him. But before we look at that, I want us to get some insight from some lives that were around that time that did not hear very well. Their ears were hindered. Flip back with me to Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 through 17. Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. Now it was the practice of the priests and the people that whenever anyone offered a sacrifice and while the meat was being boiled, the servant of the priest would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand. He would plunge it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or, or pot and the priest would take for himself whatever the fork brought up. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the servant of the priest would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the man said to him, Let the fat be burned up first and then take whatever you want, the servant would then answer, No, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. The sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. See, I see in this story there's, there's two major hindrances to hearing God's voice, and these sons of Eli are good examples of what can block our ears from hearing God. The first is ears that are hindered by sin. If you're taking notes, jot that in. Our ears can be plugged up and hindered by sin. Plain and simple, It's like thick earwax that does not allow the sound to go into your ear. Sin will clog the ability to hear God speak. 1 Samuel 2.17, The sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. In short, they tried to manipulate God's offering to their own devices, their own purposes for what they wanted to have happen. It was not how God intended to use that offering, and in fact, it was willfully disobeying God. In the same way that confession and repentance can clean our ears and help us hear God better, harboring willful disobedience will keep us in a position where we don't hear God clearly. 
So as we think of hearing from God and wanting Him to speak to us, and how can I make sense of prayer in, in a way that, God, I really want to hear you speak to me about something, one thing we need to first check is, is there any disobedience in our life? If I am willfully disobeying God, this will not allow me to hear as clear as I could be. The converse is true. When I confess and I repent and I say, God, I want you to forgive me of my sins, it then begins to open up channels where I can hear God more clearly. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. See, there's some things that we don't even have to pray about that God's Word speaks to us. And so if you're in a position, you'd say, you know, I'm really wondering if, if I should marry this man or this woman. And if you are a believer and they are not a believer, Scripture is clear. It says, don't be unequally yoked. If you are already married and your spouse is not a believer, this is not grounds for you to make some kind of change. But it's saying when you're entering into a covenant, it's important to know that you are equal when you are yoked together. If I want to hear God speak to me, I not only have to do what he says to me, I need to do what he has given me in his word. That's why reading our Bible is so important because you and I have been given all kinds of words from God. And if we never read it, if we never take it in, how can we do what it says? If I want to hear God speak and I say, I just don't, I don't hear him speak that way. And I, I, just, I just don't know if I have that kind of faith. Scripture talks about itself, and it says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word. I was talking with a friend uh, a night or, or two ago, I guess it was last night, but the day's been so long, it feels like two nights. And uh, they were sharing how God was impressing on their heart the importance of taking in His Word. We, we want to hear God speak, but how often do we want to respond to what He has already said? Psalm six eighteen says, if I harbor sin in my heart, God will not hear me. Not only will God not hear you, you won't be able to hear him either. Now jot this down. Prayer will make a person cease from sin. Or sin will make a person cease from prayer. I love that thought. Prayer will make a person cease from sin, or sin will make a person cease from prayer. If I'm truly crying out to God, wanting to talk to God, he will convict me and challenge me to stop the disobedience in my life. Or if I don't want to stop the disobedience, pretty soon I will find that I don't have much of a passion for prayer. Because every time I go to prayer, God is bringing up to me again and again that area of disobedience. This dirty, nasty, crusty earwax that is blocking us from hearing God is a very serious thing. The second that we see here is the ears that are hindered by neglect. Early on in the story, Samuel tells us that Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. They had neglected their hearts. They were not living in obedience. Now, these guys were preacher's kids. They, they were priest's kids. They knew better. But they chose to neglect their relationship with God. When we talk about neglect, we're not just talking about the willful choice to disobey, but it's also a lack of Attentiveness to what God has done. There are sins that we commit and there are sins of omission. James 4.17 tells us that anyone who knows the good that he or she ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. So it's not just by me going out and doing one of the dirty dozen sins that I shouldn't be doing, but it's also not doing what God has called me to do. This blocks my ability to hear God. 
Sometimes at this point we're beginning to see that it's not the, the greatest challenge to hear God. It's more of a challenge to say, do I really want to hear God? Or do I want to hear God say what I want him to say to me? If I'm going to be in sync with him, I have to have his eyes, to have eyes of faith, not eyes of fear. If I'm going to hear from him, I need to have ears that are ready to hear, not ones that are hindered by sin. The greatest sin of the church in our generation, Tozer says, is the sin of prayerlessness. Think of that. Sometimes there's a good quote and we need to stop and think, do I really believe that that's true? Could it possibly be one of the greatest sins, one of the greatest places of disobedience, one of the greatest moments of omission is how prayerless God's people are. If we really believe that God is who he says he is, if he is the great I am, I don't know about you, but I love that song that Pastor Edgar taught us this morning. I mean, if, if that doesn't just get you excited and ready to charge hell with the squirt gun, I don't know what will. When we know who God is, and then I see who I am, I know that I am no match for what the enemy has, but God is the match for everything. He is the great one. But if, if I am not calling out to that God, it doesn't matter how much I sing to that God if I don't want to connect with him in prayer. I don't know that many would argue that prayer is important, but how much do we pray? And when you pray, is our prayer is just filled with a laundry list that we take to God, almost like a shopping list of things that you want to get. Oh God, I, I forgot this. Oh God, let me get my list. I need to tell you. And there's nothing wrong with taking our petitions to the Lord. There's nothing wrong with, with bringing supplication to the Lord. But is that all I want? Do I just want something from God or am I wanting to be in His presence? If you want to hear God speak to you clearly, let your heart long more to be in His presence than to get what you want on your list. The scripture tells us, cast all your care on him. So we are to give him all of our cares and concerns. But the question is, do I stop there? Is that all that I want, just to give you my care and concern and leave? Or do I want to be in his presence? Prayer is not getting something from God. Prayer is me giving myself to God. Being in sync with him and hearing him clearly, it's understanding what prayer is. It's not getting something from God, but it's me giving myself to God. I always used to feel guilty when somebody would preach on prayer. Uh, I would uh, feel like, man, my prayer life just stinks. Some of you may feel that guiltiness right now, and I don't want you to feel guilty, but there was a light switch that turned on in my life, and I began to see that prayer was not a time card I had to clock in to have enough to be super spiritual. It was not just some kind of a a hocus-pocus waving of a wand that if you did enough prayers, then maybe God would somehow speak to you, but it was something that actually was a dynamic relationship. It it kind of reminds me of an illustration of, of, of two guys that were on their way to a party across city. And uh, to get across town, uh, one was so excited to get to that party, they jumped in their car and they kind of knew the general vicinity of where they were going and they just took off to get to that part of town and they would find it sooner or later. They left first. The other guy took time to stop and pulled out his device and connected to the internet and, and searched on MapQuest and found the directions and downloaded it and, and began to make sure he knew what street that was uh, to turn on and, and got those turn-by-turn directions, got in his car and, and made his way methodically to that destination. Even though the first guy had a head start, the second guy got there in time and was there and enjoyed the life of the party. The second guy came just towards the end because he was close but didn't know exactly where to go. 
when we begin to see that when I stop and take time to pray and ask God, He actually leads us to His presence. He leads us to where the real party of life is, and we get there sooner. Well, God, I'm, I'm so excited what you're doing in my life. I don't have time to pray. I just want to go do something for you. You may run ahead, but every single turn, you won't know if this is the right turn or not. One of the things that Jesus is teaching me, now that's a good question. Let's just stop right there. What is Jesus teaching you in the last seven days? I think that we need to be constantly asking Jesus, what are you teaching me? One of the things that Jesus is teaching me here in this, this last week is that there are things that I am capable of doing, and then there's things that he's called me to do. And often I get real sidetracked and excited about doing the things that I may be capable of doing, and then you find yourself at a point of, of exhaustion or frustration or whatever it may be, and I think God just smiles and says, that's maybe what you feel you're capable of doing, but I didn't call you to do that. And when we take time to pray and say, God, how would you spend my time today? How would you direct me to make this decision today? I can begin to get where you want me to be faster. It may cost more in prayer, but if we want to hear from God, this is part of the price of doing that. On the other hand, uh, while these guys gave us an example of what hinders our ears, we can look that Samuel gives us some example of what helps our ears hear. Number three, write it in, ears that hear by ministering to the Lord. We read it together in in verse 1. We see in Samuel 3, verse 1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord. What does that word minister mean? Well, it means much more than just serving God. It means to commune with God. To share intimate details of your life with the Lord, it means to open your heart to Him, to give and to receive love and relate to Him. It means fulfilling your created purpose in God. He created you to love you. He created you to love Him. That's the proper motivation behind all ministry is that I want to connect and commune with God. And that's what Samuel did. Uh, Next, ears that hear, we see a common thread that they are seeking godly counsel they want to minister before the lord they want to have that relationship with god they want to commune with god but they also are seeking godly counsel samuel found wise counsel in eli and at first eli didn't even discern that it was god speaking to him but finally he offers some wise advice samuel 3 8 9 then eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I've been blessed to receive uh, wise counsel in my life. Some has come from my wife. Some have come from my parents. Some have come from other mentors. But godly counsel is important for us to hear the Lord. They've taught me how to discern God's voice. We know that uh, from one of our Forefathers and John Wesley talks to us about how God's going to speak to us. We see that He speaks to us in this quadrilateral. God speaks to us first and foremost through His Word, through Scripture. It's kind of like the trump card. It's the one that has the highest precedent in in our life. But we can see that it's easy for us to take one verse out of Scripture and twist it and, and pin it to whatever it is we want to do. And so in addition to having God speak to us through His word, God has given us reason, he's given us a brain, he's given us our mind. But you don't have to think too hard or too far to know of yourself or someone else who could reason themselves on their way to hell. 
You can begin to have all kinds of things and excuses you could make. And so, though God has given us a mind and a brain, that's one way he speaks to us. There's some checks and balances there. Scripture, reason, and then tradition. And this is not like tradition of that you string popcorn and put it on the, the Christmas tree and the things you do around there. But it's the tr- tradition of believers. And probably for our time, betterly put, it is the body of Christ, the godly counsel that we see here. When another brother and sister give you advice in the name of God, that this can be a way that God speaks to you. But we all can see an example of how sometimes you could be around the wrong people who have good motives, but they could lead you astray. Just because someone else is telling you that, it doesn't mean that's exactly what God is saying. And and fourth, John talks to us about our experience with God. It's those experiential things, and it's that, that God moment. But sometimes we need help distinguishing between if that's God speaking to us or if that's bad pizza from the night before. And and it's it's often very subjective. And so how do I know, God, if that's you speaking to me? But just like when we go to the eye doctor and they begin to take those lenses and put them one before the other before the other. You know, one, two, better, worse. You know what I'm talking about. But then you can see clearly when we take scripture and we take reason and we take tradition and we take our experience with God, we can begin to see what he's doing in our life. We can hear him clearly. And one of those is this godly counsel that Eli is giving to Samuel. Here's some ways to discern God's voice in addition to what Wesley would tell us. Three M's that help me remember godly counsel. And the first is, is motive. It's motive. Is my heart motive right? I'm asking God for his will, but am I really asking him to bless what I've already decided? I had a friend uh, who was desiring to build a house, and they took their Bible and they opened it up, their Bible, and it fell and it said, and the Lord built a house. Now, I believe God can speak to us however he wants to. He can do those goofy God moments, and that can be an experiential thing. But what I knew of my friend is they had already made a decision that they were building a house, and so they were going to keep flipping and turning until something would agree with what it was they already decided to do. In fact, when it opened up, their eyes went to the word that just spoke about what they've already decided. And so we have to say, God, what is my motive? I want to hear you clearly. I want to be in sync with you. And I want to have ears that are open to you. And so what is my motive? Is my motive right? Do I really want to hear you speak? Or do I want you just to stamp what I've already decided? The second M is the message. Is the message that I'm hearing consistent with God's word? Does this impression that I'm feeling, is, is it something that is squaring with what God has already said in his word? God will never ask me to do something that contradicts his word that he has already given to me. And the third one is momentum. Is this prompting? Is it persistent? Is it growing? Is it getting stronger? And so where is my motive? What is the message of what's being spoken to me that I'm hearing? Is this consistent with God's word? And is this Speaking from the Lord, does it continue to get stronger or is it just a one-time thing? Once I get my motivation right and I've passed through the filter of God's word, is this leading or speaking from the Lord staying with me? God continually came back to Samuel. And if you keep an open heart, he will come back to you again and again. One way that was explained to me that has been helpful in my life is to distinguish between God speaking to you and the enemy uh, giving you lies is when God speaks to you, it will be very specific and he will put his thumb right on what it is he's saying. When Satan is speaking, it is vague and there's very little time. 
conviction of sin will always tell you what it is and what you need to do. And if you're honest with yourself and God, you'll know exactly what it is. The enemy bringing shame and condemnation on you will just be vague and say, you are a horrible person. Well, what exactly about me is horrible? Just everything. All of it. You just, all of it. God will be very specific and clear and he will keep coming back. Scripture talks to us about a time where we can have our conscience seared, where we can ignore God enough that pretty soon it doesn't bother us that we're ignoring God. But if we come back to God, if we ask God, if we come to Him in prayer, that same word will be there again and again. What are you going to do about this area of disobedience? What are you going to do about this area where I've already asked you to act? Developing ears to hear is seeking godly counsel from committed, mature Christians And Samuel also gives us some examples that will help us to develop ears. Number five, ears that hear by submitting to Christ's lordship. 1 Samuel 3, 5 and 6, and 8 and 10, it's over and over in here. Did you notice that Samuel is very submissive to the Spirit repeatedly? Eli, in verse 5, he says, here I am, you called me. He submitted himself to those in leadership around him. And then in verse 6, he says, here I am, you called me again. And and then verse 8, he says, here I am, you called me again. And finally in verse 10, it's the Lord. And yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak to me. Putting himself in a place to hear by saying, I will be submissive to Christ's lordship. When I'm already coming to a situation with an axe to grind and I'm already hacked off and aggravated, it becomes to... Hinder my ears because I really know what should have been said. But when I'm submitting to the Lord and those he's placed in authority over me, it is helpful for me to hear clearly. A submissive spirit is a prerequisite for hearing God's voice. That was Israel's basic problem. They missed God's promise because they never submitted to God. We talked about that last week. They had eyes of fear and they didn't submit to the power of God and what he was calling them to do. And they chose their own way over God's way and they missed the eyes of faith. As long as we begin to put our needs first, we will not hear what it is that God has for us. Seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be added unto you. Six, ears that hear by consistency in prayer. Look at verse 9. I touched on this earlier, but Samuel says, So Samuel went and lay down in his place. It was the same place that God had spoken to him before, and he went back to that same place where God had spoken, and the Lord spoke again. It's this willingness to go back to the place that God speaks to us. I want to encourage you that one way that we can increase our ability to hear God is put ourselves in a position consistently that gets us in a place to hear God best. That's not the same time. It's not the same location for all of us. Some of you have tried to have your prayer time early in the morning, but God has not wired you to be a morning person. You give God your best time. There's some value to giving God your first time. And so uh, those of you who are not morning people like me, I give God my first time, but it's not my best. And I give it to him to start out my day. But my best thinking and my best crying out to God is when my brain turns on at 10 o'clock at night. And this is what I'm going to pour into him. When we begin to say, God, I want to meet you at the same place, where is that chair in your house that's your prayer chair? 
And I'm not saying that God can't speak to you somewhere else. God can speak to you wherever he wants to. He can speak to you in the car. He can speak to you in the shower. He can speak to you at work. Anywhere. He doesn't need that. But when you have a place that you meet God and he has spoken to you before, when you walk by that, you go, God spoke to me there before. I can begin to remember how my heart was open to God before. And Samuel went back to that same place and God spoke to him again, helping our ears be open to hear him as having a place where we will cry out to God in private. There's corporate prayer and then there's private prayer. For some of you, it may be a prayer closet, literally. It may be a a couch. It may be a chair. It may be a room. It may be a path in the woods. It may be that table in the cafeteria at school. It may be some corner off at work where you can get by yourself. But a place where you have set apart to say, God, when I'm here, I want to hear you speak to me. Putting ourselves in that place physically is a help to hear God. And, And finally, ears that hear come through bold obedience. Now, I want to tell you, it'd be much easier to stop right here. It'd be much easier just to say, well, that was some good nuggets that we can take home on, on ears that are hindered and ears that hear. But this story doesn't stop here with Samuel. And I believe that Samuel hears from God and was growing in the things of God, and he followed through, which would open his ears a little bit more. Let's look at verse 11 through 14. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore... To the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by this sacrifice or offering. That's a pretty heavy message. It's a heavy message for a young man to hear and a young man to hear about his mentor. And yet he humbly obeys and gives that message. Verse 17 and 18. What is it he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, but... Ever so severely, if you hide from me anything that he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Friends, there's times when God speaks to us and it requires great boldness to obey. It may be boldness to do what he's calling us to do that may not be popular. There's times when I felt God speak to me and challenge me to say something that was going to be very unpopular. At times, honest, it scares me to death to say, God, you want me to say that? You want me to do that? But my fear of the Lord is greater than the fear of pleasing somebody else. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm a normal human. I like you, and I want you to like me. But I've decided I would much rather be pleasing to the Lord than pleasing to any other person. And this is not a pat on my back. This is all of us coming to a place where we say we want to obey and obey instantly and boldly. And something happens when you obey right away and you obey with boldness and confidence. You begin to hear God a little bit clearer. God will begin to give you new pieces of information in your life. The heart of this is not to have some kind of secret society where we have some kind of Gnosticism, some kind of special knowledge that we earn our way to God and we are more in sync and in tune with than someone else. This is elementary stuff. This is for every believer who has confessed their sin and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord in their life. 
God will speak to any person who opens their ears to hear and removes the things that are hindering them. A final thought, and then I'll be through. A failure to act when God speaks leads to a failure to hear Him the next time He speaks. A failure to act when God speaks leads to a failure to hear Him the next time that He speaks. Tonight there in your notes, maybe at the bottom, find a little bit of space there. I want you to jot down what it is that God has already said to you that you may not have acted on. I'm not going to have you turn this into me. I'm not going to have you give it to anybody. You don't need to show your spouse or your friend. This is between you and God. But I honestly want you to stop and think, one, do you really want to hear God? I don't want to assume that we actually all want to hear God. But if you want to hear God speak to you, ask yourself, is there anything that God has told me that I've not already acted on? And what is that thing? If I begin to write it down and pray about it and say, God, would you give me the boldness to act when you speak to me? Because if I don't act on what you've told me, it's going to cause a challenge for me to hear you next time. God may be asking us to step out of our comfort zone. And love on somebody who it may be a risk to love on them. God may be asking us to forgive somebody and we're not really excited about forgiving them. God may be asking us to go and make it right with somebody, but we're more concerned about the full facts being out. And yes, I had a part in it, but so did they. And I don't know that I want to make it right. God is already asking you to do your part and make it right. God may be asking us to obey in in a new surrendering of our time or our talent or our treasure like we talked about this morning. And and I'm not so sure that I want God to do that. As we talked this morning about our money and our time and our heart, there's a good chance that one of those feels pretty easy for you to do. There's also a great chance that there's another one of those that you clench so tightly with your fist. Some people, it becomes easy for them to give of their resources, but giving their heart, it's like prying it from their very body, and they're not about to give that kind of blessing to somebody else. What is it that God has already spoken to us on? I don't come and share this with a condescending heart or tone. I'm asking myself tonight, Jesus, what is it that you've already spoken to me about that I have had lag time in my obedience And how could I obey instantly so that I could hear you more clearly? The cool thing is, when we begin to catch the eyes of faith that God gives us, it's not just to do something He wants, it's to bless us. When we have ears that hear Him, it's not just to snap in line and and get with the program. He wants to bless you and whisper truth into your ear and get the lies of the enemy out of your head. Then when we begin to hear a lyric like we did today that it squares so much with Scripture that I am the I am. It's this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the one who is the great provider, the one who's the healer, the one who gives salvation. This is the one who wants to speak to you. But we buy into a lie that God may not speak to me, he'll speak to somebody else who's a spiritual giant. We buy into a lie that I've heard God speak before, but I don't know that I need him to speak in every area of my life. I mean, really, do I have to pray about everything, chicken or steak, for lunch? Can't I make that decision? You don't have to pray about chicken or steak. You get to ask God whatever you want to. 
Do I think that God is upset and cares if you have chicken or steak for lunch tomorrow? I don't think that God is upset and is going to throw a lightning bolt down at you. But what if God wanted to lead you to a place where you may have a divine appointment to meet somebody at the steak place instead of the chicken place? Maybe God wanted to give you a blessing and bring someone across your path that wants to encourage you. Everything that we choose to pray about could be something that he wants to speak to us. But it takes a heart of submission to do that. Let's pray together. Not to wrap this up in a bow. But with the audacity to actually think the living God who created all of the heavens and the earth. Wants to say something to us tonight. Let's pray. Father, as we think about or we actually look at a list on a piece of paper of the things you have already said to us that maybe we have not acted on yet. We want to start by confessing to you our slowness in obedience. We want to confess to you tonight our neglect of maybe our relationship with you. Lord, we ask that you will forgive us and you will give us the boldness and the confidence to obey and to obey swiftly. And Lord, I pray tonight that you will speak to me and to my brothers and sisters in a very tangible way. Whether you choose to use your word and speak to us through the scripture we have already read. Whether you choose to use the brain that you have given us between our ears to resonate your message deep in our heart. Whether you choose to use tonight godly counsel from another brother or sister or from the words that I'm sharing tonight. Or that supernatural experience with you that goes beyond what words can express We are hungry for you to speak however you want. Lord, we confess that we don't want just to hear you stamp our agenda and our plan we've already committed to, but we actually want to hear what you have to say. So God, we want to give you the next number of moments as we sit in silence that can feel deafening and awkward But we give it to you with an actual expectation that you have something for us. So speak, Lord, your servants are listening.
Abba Father, our Daddy. I thank you for the preciousness of being quiet and still before you tonight. You make us lay down in green pastures. You lead us beside quiet waters. You restore our very soul. Even though we may feel we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you have promised us you will be with us. Lord, I pray that you will teach us to crave your communication with us. Now, Father, I celebrate with my brothers and sisters who tonight is not the first time that they have stilled their spirit. It's not the first time that they've cried out to you. It's not the first time that they have listened to you. But, Lord, we celebrate the reminder from your word that you, the great creator of all the heavens and the earth, actually care to talk to us each and every day. So those of us who have taught this truth to classes, to groups, to congregations, may we be willing to get wax out of our ears just as much as the person who maybe has never ever communicated with you. Thank you, God, that the message you give tonight is not one to scold, but one to entice into your embrace of a great confidence of love you want to whisper into our ear. Thank you, God, that though our time is done tonight, our prayer doesn't have to cease. So I ask that you go with us as we put on the hat of mom and dad, son and daughter, grandma and grandpa, friend, spouse, employee, employer, neighbor. And I pray that you will challenge us to stop coming up with all the answers when we have claimed that you are the answer. And start depending on you more. Not because we have to ask you about everything, but because we get to. Thank you, God, for what you have for us this week. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Tonight I'd like us to do something a little bit different. There's a wonderful blessing when we fellowship, Koinonia fellowship, talking and loving on each other. But let's let this room have a holy hush. And if you just want to hang out in silence in the presence of the